Hi, I'm Zach, and I'm feeling emphatic about subliminal messaging. <laughs> Instead of emphatic, a a just uh, I tried. I, I came up with that two seconds ago, so don't judge me. Okay, well, I liked it. Um, hello, I'm Caitlin, and if you listen to this podcast backwards, you'll find some hidden messages I've planted. Oh shit! Okay, say that at the beginning of the podcast. Okay, I'm prepped. Uh-huh. I'm gonna run it back. Run it back. Run it I back. I love it. And this is manipulating the masses. <laughs> Don't give yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men. Machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You, the people, have the power. Alrighty, Zach, buckle up. We're gonna jump right into a story. <laughs> okay, um, great. And guess where this takes place? Um, New York. I don't know. Reno, Nevada. Oh man, really? Okay, some hometown stories. I love hometown it. Stories. I love it. And for those who don't know, I currently live in Reno, Nevada, and I grew up an hour outside of Reno, Nevada. So this hits close to home, and a story that I never had heard about. Really? Up. So, um, okay. so one day in December of 1985, two men. Raymond Belknap, 18, and James Vance, 20, spent their day drinking, smoking marijuana, and listening to the metal band Judas Priest, their stained glass album. Mm. Now, in 1980, it was the height of the satanic panic, which was a period when parents were terrified of satanic cults and ritualistic murders like they were afraid to let their kids out on the street and (laughs) i think satanic cults deserves a podcast of its own so i think totally like i love them i i love them i actually went to the satanic temple in detroit super nice people like super nice people their tenants are super like happy and and like bring us all together it's not what you would expect at all what is a satanic temple (laughs) uh it's like a place that they the satanists would go and worship i i guess hold service or like just like do their thing um but it's not like sacrificing like blood it's yeah no they have like a set of rules they go by like it's more like I guess there's a little satirical element to it that it's like um, America really, really like uh, the foundation is the freedom of religion. Right. And they just like really push that to its limits to like be the juxtaposition for Christianity and government. You know, like if you have a, a statue of the Ten Commandments on a government ground, they petition to have a statue of Satan on the gotcha. same government ground for freedom of religion purposes, right? Gotcha. Yeah. I'm going to hold back my commentary until I know more about the satanic <laughs> religion, uh, because I don't want to make any judgments without being super educated on it. Yes, and I am not a member. Let's clarify that. Like, I am not a member. I was just, I thought it was interesting. I just went. I'm, no, no, no. <laughs> I would have never have jumped there but i'm really glad that we made that clarification (laughs) okay so right so it's in these two kids it's 1985 
it's the height of the satanic panic. But also what came of the satanic panic was this idea of backmasking. Have you ever heard of backmasking? No, I haven't. Okay. Because you're kind of a music junkie, kind of a music nerd. Um, Backmasking was popularized by the Beatles. And it's a recording technique in which a sound or message is recorded backwards onto a track that is meant to be played forwards. Oh, interesting. Okay. Again, backmasking was popularized by the Beatles, who used, who played backwards instrumentation on their 1966 album Revolver. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I sent you a YouTube video a couple of days ago, and it was of a song that was played backwards. I, when I first clicked into that YouTube video, I was so scared because like, I don't want to listen to just a bunch of screeching noises and like, I'm very sensitive to sound. And I actually played it and I was like, this doesn't sound as horrible as I thought it would. So (laughs) for the audience, it's just a song from Judas Priest played backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And you would think it would just be a bunch of jumbled noise but i didn't think it sounded terrible what did you think no i thought the song was like i mean it just gave me like new age like techno vibes and rock sense yes. you know what i'm saying like when they like chop and screw it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. synthesizers being used which is like we were just talking about a pop group that you went to go see that used synthesizers. Yes, yes, a lot of synths. Uh, right. Yeah, it was Quinn 92, a lot of synths, you know, it was great. I mean, yeah. it was a great show. So that's what it sounded like. It just sounded like uh, unique instruments. And actually it's funny because it took me like 30 seconds into the song to even realize it was being played <laughs> Yeah, you're right, it sounded pretty natural. Like it, it, it had... I thought it was the regular song. <laughs> um, <laughs> So a lot of groups in the United States uh, alleged that backmasking was being used by prominent rock musicians for satanic purposes. You've heard this, right? Yes, I have heard heard that. If you you play like Pink Floyd's album backwards, it'll tell you to go sacrifice a lamb or something (laughs) like that. So this led to record-burning protests and even proposed anti-backmasking legislation by state and federal Whoa. government. And even legislation. I know, legis- wow. legislation. And at school, kids traded stories about playing records backwards to look for subliminal messaging, which is the hero of our story. Subliminal <laughs> messaging is what we're going to be talking about. So the 80s was before our time, but did you get involved with this type of gossip? Like, was this kind of circulating the schoolyard even when you went to school? We were in elementary school, what, like in the 90s? Yeah, yeah. So was that still a thing that you guys would talk about? Uh, I don't remember any, like, backmasking discussions, but there was always stuff like that. Like, I, I give the example of, like, uh, Marilyn Manson removing one of his ribs so he could give himself a blowjob. Like, that's not true, right? Like, it's the same type of situation, right? Like, it's the kid being fantastical talking about crazy shit did you talk about that in your elementary school like yeah well we didn't again again we didn't like talk first of all i had never heard about the word backmasking until i did my research (laughs) so that wasn't a that wasn't a word we were familiar with but it it was like schoolyard gossip Mm -hmm. like if you played the beatles which I, again, you said fantastical. I think that was a great word to describe what kids wanted. They wanted to believe that this was true because it was so interesting mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. So some ideas of this uh, or some examples were Queen, Another One Bites the Dust. If you play it backwards, it says start to smoke marijuana. It 
doesn't necessarily say that, but you can contrive that message if you yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Oh, the interesting. Beatles, Revolution Number Nine, The Backward Message, Turn Me On, Dead Man, Electric Light Orchestra, Fire on High, Backwards Message is The Music is Reversible, Time is Not, Turn Back, Turn Back. Oh, that's actually like a positive message in uh, they're like trying to help people out, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Interesting that you thought about that. I didn't think twice. Yeah. So I guess it could be positive. Yeah. Um, Slayer, Hell Awaits, the backward message is Join Us. Mm. Um, and lastly, Judas Priest, the song that these two kids were listening to, Better By You, Better Than Me, the backwards message was Do It. You listen to that. I told you to put on your good headphones I and I was like, spend some time like really listening to this. Did you hear any sort of message? No, I got to be honest. I listened probably 15 times because you told me not to cheat either. <gasps> and I was like really trying. I was like, I like turned off everything. I like turned off the lights, closed my eyes, was like listening to this thing. I didn't pick up any messaging like, I, but I did black out for 45 minutes after and kill a sheep. So you know what, what can you fucking do? No, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. I didn't either. Yeah. And I'm glad you did your homework. I tried. Thoroughly. I was like, really trying. You understood the assignment. <laughs> yeah, I was really trying. I was like, there's gotta be something. So Judas Priest, there's this message that says, do it. So back to these two kids in Reno, Nevada, they're smoking weed, they're listening to metal bands, and they're drinking on a playground. They hear this message that says, do it. They got a, out a 12-gauge shotgun and shot themselves in the face. Now, Mr. Belknap died instantly, and Mr. Vance was disfigured. His face was completely disfigured, and he shot away part of his face. The set. I mean, obviously this whole story is sad, but the sad part is uh, Mr. Vance actually lived three years after wow. this incident. Um, and unfortunately, he was just so disfigured. He was brain dead. Three years later, he did slip into a coma and pass away. Uh, oh. The coma, his lawyer said, was actually due to drug use um, and depression. Mm. So, you know, I mean... Yeah, I, I, there's, there's a lot of things that, going on. Yeah. Wow. There's nothing else that really needs to be said about this. So the piece of this that pertains to subliminal messaging, uh, their parents, Vance and Belknap's parents, actually sued Judas Priest for telling mm. the kids to shoot themselves. Wow. I want to back up. Sorry, just a second. Vance actually had enough wits about him during this three-year period where he was still alive. And I mm. don't know if he spoke these words or if he wrote them down, but he said, like, all of a sudden, we got a suicide message and we just got tired of life and we decided to shoot ourselves. So he was huh. able to speak to the incident after it happened. Um, yeah. So the parents sued Judas Priest. They actually went to court. This was a whole long, drawn-out lawsuit. And this was actually the sad part of this, too, because even Judas Priest was like, nobody thought these parents had a case. And basically, yeah. everyone was just like, you're spending tons of money. You're wasting everyone's time. Even Judith, the band members of Judas Priest like showed up at court every single day and was just like, man, like I just wanted to give these parents a hug. Like, 
the the yeah. lyrics were not meaningful they were not deep the band manager even cynically retorted if we were going to send a backwards message we'd be saying buy several copies of our album we're not telling <laughs> a couple of screwed up kids to kill themselves uh, yeah oh that's a i mean it's true though yeah. right uh, yeah, it those was, parents are just grieving, right? Like, totally, you can't blame totally. them. And just everyone in the courtroom was just grieving with these parents. Like, nobody yeah. was fighting. Everyone was just like, man, you don't have a case here, but we feel for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So many popular mus- musicians have obviously been accused of including backmasking messages in their music. Um, however, backmasked messages are, in fact, an example of, I'm going to butcher this word, Paradelia. Paradelia. Yep. Okay. And yep. paradelia just means it's kind of a psychology term where the brain imposes a meaningful interpretation, usually visual, so that yeah. one sees, convinces themselves that you see an object, a pattern, or a meaning where there is none. So oh. you're really trying to extract a message or a meaning because you want to see it so badly. Yeah. Is it is that like when we look at the clouds and we see like shapes exactly. and faces it okay yeah it's like the same that thing was actually right? an example i was going to give so exactly it's Love a form it. of the human brain psychological effort of constantly trying to make connections to something relatable when the mm. brain does make that connection you're more likely to be emotionally attached to that product Interesting. Why this really picked up steam in the marketing world. The commercial businesses are using subliminal messaging to leverage the power of subconscious mind to increase sales. Huh. Okay. This is like the very dark side of, I think this is a little, that's a little darker than the satanic temple. Like Jesus, like that's, that's some hardcore shit. I love that you brought that up because there's an element of like, okay, I want to interpret these messages so badly that I'm going to convince myself that Judas Priest's song is saying, do it, do it. Mm. But then there's the element of you not being in control of Mm. your subconscious and marketing telling you what to do, what to think, what to grab, what to buy. So that is, like you said, truly the dark, dark side where... Absolutely. You're not selling a product. You're just like trying to brainwash people into actually, you're literally manipulating the masses. Hey. 100%. So this is the part where I ask you if you can recall any subliminal messages that have stuck with you that you have been exposed to or that maybe was like schoolyard gossip. I have one in mind. And I think Go, go. Yeah. What do you want to go first? Do you, you want to go. do yours first? Um, so mine was, uh, I like to this day, I'm terrified of the exorcist, the movie, the exorcist. Have you ever seen yes. that movie? Yeah. There is a bunch of subliminal messaging in there to make you feel like terrified. Like the director did this. And it, I just remember being scared. Like I was way too young to be watching that movie. Got scared shitless. Um, but like there's a face of a demon that like f- literally flashes on the screen, you know, three times during the movie. And you, like the director was like that you couldn't you would never be able to tell it before VHS. Now you can pause right on there. But he like put these flashes of like a demon face in there. 
And then um, the other thing he did at the beginning was he layered in, in the background, the audio, the buzzing of bees. Cause like that kicks in your fear instinct when you hear like a wasp of buzzing, like it's something like evolutionary in us to be like, get the fuck out. Right. Like kind of like, oh no, we're in trouble. And then same thing with, he did like industrial noises in the background of the movie to, and that like tells us there's fear or like some kind of like, you know, something we should be cautious of or something we should like go move away from like all those industrial noises. So that shit was like, he used it for, to just like elicit fear in the theater. So it was two crazy. things. One, I hear knocking right now is there someone yes they're working on my building right here i can edit it out but they're like right down there i don't know what the fuck they're doing i thought you were trying to subliminal message me <laughs> I, I might just leave it in like just be like oh there's some subliminal messaging going on yeah no some dudes are working on my building right that's here. awesome because you were like yeah and there's there's uh industrial noises in the back and you <laughs> hearing like someone fucking work on your building we're just trying to scare everybody yeah get out don't listen that's to the podcast. really fascinating i hadn't come across that uh example in my research of that oh really no it was like schoolyard gossip though it was like the, you know the exorcist like what's a scary movie what's the scariest movie you've ever seen and then the exorcist and then they talk about all the like flashes and subliminal things going i mean the exercise the exorcist was ahead of its time like it's still to this day i mean my mom and like my parents generation is like that was that still is the scariest movie i have ever seen because it was so new i think yep and it just didn't hold back Mm-hmm. There was like people vomiting in the theaters, like they when they released it, like people were like running, like it just scared the shit out of people when it was. So, released. do you think that there are actual are are these subliminal messaging messages actually there in the movie? Yeah, no, they're, they're legitimately there. there. Huh. Yeah, like they've done a ton of research. Those are absolutely there. Like he, the director's like mine is to actually it. way less interesting, and the only thing <laughs> that. I have to relate to was in Disney movies, there was gossip that you can find the word sex written in the dust in Lion King. And there was Mm -hmm. also some sort of phallic signs in the Little Mermaid or maybe Aladdin. Uh, Yeah. Um, But it was all just to me like gossip. Um, And I found it was, I thought it was Mm -hmm. super interesting yeah i think it is i mean disney disney's like known for that stuff too you know like they absolutely like throw in i don't know about phallic images but like you know the big one was like the pirates of the caribbean poster movie poster when they came out like there's two torches mickey mouse yeah the mickey mouse yeah there's two torches behind uh johnny depp's head and it just makes the mouse you know like phallic like i'm just gonna say it the whole like penis thing and the sex like in my opinion it's just like why well there are there are brands that got in trouble for that are you gonna go into all the dicks yeah are you gonna talk about yeah because yeah, there are companies that like have legitimately done sex and phallic images in their advertising but i can see that being used 
like if it was a gin or a tequila or an alcohol product, you're like, oh, if I drink this, I'm going to get laid. Like that makes sense to me. But a Disney channel that are, that's being shown to six-year-olds, like that, why would you put that in there? It doesn't make sense to me. In my opinion, I'm like, that was a bored ass animator who thought it would be super funny to write sex in the clouds and see if anybody caught on to it. Absolutely. It was the animator just being like, I got to make a hundred fucking slides of dust in the air. Like, I'm just going to make sex into one of them, you know, like, just make it for a second. So some history lessons for you. Subliminal messages are linked to the idea of mind control. And the roots of this are placed so far back in history. You're going to love this. It actually started with your favorite, the Greeks. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. They use subliminal messaging? Really? Your boys, the Greeks. Yeah, I love the Greeks. Uh-huh, the Greek islands. Do. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll go to Mykonos any day, baby. You I'll also just that. love fucking the history of the Greeks. I can't. I, I, I don't find know. It fascinating. I don't know how you don't find it fascinating. Like, it's the birthplace of like human psychology and philosophy. Subliminal like, it's the messaging. Birthplace. Subliminal messaging, like crazy. They were, and it's three, that four thousand years, three thousand years ago. Crazy, crazy. The way the Greeks used subliminal messaging is actually in rhetoric. So they chose their language carefully to persuade or impress listeners, their audience. And although the audience views messaging as insincere, insincere or even puffery, it still worked. Um, so just kind of carefully selecting your language to manipulate the audience. Interesting. Yeah, you're persuaded to believe something um, if you're using the right words, phrases, or sentences. And as you're a writer, I'm a writer, like, I love language. And it's so true. I totally agree. Like, when you're writing something, how mo- how often do you edit it just to, like, get that right word in the there? Word, you know? The like, word itself yeah. is so important. Words are so important. There's always a better word out there to use. Absolutely. Which is which is probably why I haven't published a book yet because I'm so <laughs> caught up on word choice that it's been ten years in the making. <laughs> yeah, the beauty's in the editing, Caitlin. Just uh, word vomit and edit. That's what, that's what I do, you know. So you know, the Greeks have been using rhetoric. They they started using rhetoric uh, the beginning of time, um, and where we first really start to see this present in modern culture is in 19. 57, a researcher, James Vicari, gathered together a bunch of reporters for an important announcement. He said that he had just completed a successful experiment at a movie theater that resulted in an 18% hike in popcorn sales and a 58% spike in Coca-Cola sales. What was his experiment? He continuously flashed the message, drink Coca-Cola and eat popcorn to patrons like uh, like flashed it during a movie like it just come on real quick yep. like oh. the message it it passed on screen so quickly that it was imperceptible to the audience's conscious mind but subconsciously yeah. they're being told to eat popcorn and drink coca-cola which resulted in a 58% spike huh That's fascinating. The real fascinating part is he made this all up. 
Oh, what the fuck? What a god damn it, dude. God damn it. Isn't that the most <laughs> marketing thing you've ever heard? It's like yes. nobody can really prove me wrong. So I'm just going to say that my experiment works and like you run A-B tests for our clients all the time. How easy would it be for you to be like, well, they're not going to know the difference. So I'm just going to tell them A worked. (laughs) Yeah, it could be very easy. And I'm glad you said because like I didn't want to be a dick, but I was like 58% spike from what? Like, what is he comparing it to? Like a 58, like an average movie? Like, what are you talking about, man? Like, oh, God damn it. You know who called, you know who called him out on it, though? Was the uh, manager of the movie theater. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like, kind of just a pedestrian was just like, wait a second. We didn't sell any other, any more Coke than we're used to selling. We didn't sell any more popcorn than usual. Oh my god, right. just broken down. Oh my god. So what was his point? Was he trying to like sell his did he have a business? What what was it, his the mar- whole point? So of he had a marketing company and this mm. was his marketing experiment. So finally, so this happened in 57 uh in 62. So what is that? Th- 5 years later, he finally confessed that he had made everything up. But 5 Jesus. years? Like can you imagine battling someone for 5 years being like, "No, this was true. I swear to god, this was true. This was true." And the movie theater manager was just like, "No, bro." Like, I have the sales receipt. Here's your receipt. It didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he made enough business from his marketing company in that five years. He's like, ah, shit. It did what it did. I'll, I'll admit to everything now. I got my money. You know, like, fuck. Totally. Totally. I mean, I think that could be an interesting uh, deep dive into a story. Is like, whatever happened to James Vacari? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but isn't that it's just so true of marketing in general and i kind of poked fun at this idea of you telling clients like oh yeah a b testing worked or a worked better than b and i often joke with you too it's like zach could tell you know you're so deep in the analytics you're so deep in the numbers and i'm such a visual person that i'm like zach could tell me that we spiked in 50% traffic and I would believe him. I have no other choice but to believe him because he controls our data. He controls our analytics. Like how much uh, the power. power? The power. Uh, it is, you know, I like, I want to have a design eye and I'm terrible at it. That's why, you know, we make great partners. You're the design end. So, you know, it's just like that little bit of gratification I get when I get to tell the design team what to do. Yeah. Like, nah, you should do that. And I'm like, yeah, in your face. The analytics are telling me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I agree. Like, I've seen it before. Like, I've worked at marketing agencies where they keep the data, right? And then that gives you all the power because you can just, like, put out the little tidbits of information to the client that make you look. Mm -hmm. And this is our big thing. Like, I create uh, open dashboards. Like, they can pop in anytime. They're auto-populated. Like, literally, they can poke around as much as they want. I, I just give it to them. I'll talk them through it. And that's but. our biggest thing at MMP is the level of transparency. We are, we shed light on, you know, behind the curtain marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll give you everything. And I mean, I've heard you say to clients too, like, yeah, if you want the raw data, I have no problem giving that to you. <laughs> Good luck. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, go, go climb through that heap of, of numbers. Like, nobody's go for it, nobody's really ever taken you up on it because they choose nope. to <laughs> trust us. They're like, you know, if he's offering the raw data, maybe I'll just take his word for like, yeah, we did see a 50% increase in, in yep. traffic to our website. That's because when you play our recorded meetings backwards, you just hear trust Zach, trust, trust Zach, Zach <laughs> trust Zach, like over and over. And it's working. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I'm doing. We're doing our that's own doing. case study here and we can mm -hmm. uh, say that it has been working. Really well. Sometimes we know? flash it too, you know? Yep. Yep. Just like, and they're like, what was, what was that? that? But I, Is that a give Caitlin money? <laughs> Do I just want to give Caitlin money now? Increase and we're like, our retainer with you? Yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, geez, I don't know why. Feels right though. <laughs> so 1957, or actually the 62 was when James Vicari yeah. said, LOL, made the whole thing up. <laughs> Uh, and people were outraged, obviously, as they should be. Um, but it didn't stop the UK from banning subliminal messaging and subliminal wow. advertising. So the UK actually banned subliminal advertising. But wow. isn't it funny? Think about it. How do you ban subliminal advertising? You don't know your ask you. you don't you don't know. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I was gonna ask you, like, how do you how do you if it's good, you don't pick it you up, don't right? Know. Like okay. I guess I would take that as a challenge. Coming from the marketing, I'd be like, that's a challenge. We're gonna see what we do. Right. Like, right? Let's let's see what we can do. Right. Jesus. So Studies were done throughout the 80s, throughout the 90s. So ever since, like, Vicari came out with this study and was like, subliminal messaging, it's crazy. You're going to see all this spike in traffic and, or uh, spike in purchases. Studies have continuously be, been done. And in the early 2000s, finally in 2006, researchers and psychologists have largely agreed that subliminal messaging does work. But in a limited fashion. So oh, okay. very limited. So as an example, it's like you might reach for the Coca-Cola at that moment, but is that a long-term sale? Is that a mm. long-term effect where you're always going to reach for the Coca-Cola? So, mm. you know, it's exciting mm -hmm. to think about like, yeah, you can actually manipulate and control people, but can you control them for the long term? Yeah. Just kind of like in the moment. Like in the moment. Yep. Yeah, yeah. One study conducted by Princeton University in 2002, the word thirsty was added to 12 frames of an episode of The Simpsons and the image of a Coca-Cola can. Isn't it funny? I'm just going to pause and I just realized this. How is Coca-Cola at the center of all subliminal messaging? I don't know. You're so right, though. Like, <laughs> so I feel like true. people just study those ads maybe more. Maybe the other ones, like, they fly under the radar. Yeah. Because, like, Coke ads are, like, broken down like that yeah. so much right so in 2002 the simpsons image of coca-cola can to 12 frames afterwards audience members reported that they were 27 percent thirstier after the wow. show than before the show those in the control group so those who were not flashed the word thirsty were actually a little less thirsty huh interesting so there's a lot of positive results, but again, when it is successful, we're just not clear on how successful it is uh, for the long term and yeah. how long these results will last. So I mean, it, it, it makes sense, right? Like someone tells, it's like a yawn. 
right? Someone yawns, you yawn, right? Like it's just kind of in the moment, right? Like you're just kind of like someone says, oh, I'm thirsty. And then you think, oh, I might be thirsty too. I think that's a good idea. Like it's just kind of like quick hitter. You're not going to perpetually be thirsty. Exactly. Exactly. So I think subliminal messaging, do you have any thought lingering thoughts around subliminal messaging and everything that we discussed? I am going to kind of show some messages um, and some advertisements that I found in my research. Love it. But do you think subliminal messaging is effective? Do, uh, what do you think about it? And maybe you just think that it's just fascinating and that's it. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I came into this like totally like being like, this is bullshit. This is pseudoscience. Like this is, this is just ridiculous. Like, you know, there's people are in control and you know, things like that. But you know, the, the stuff that you've been telling me, I think you're right. Like it makes sense that you can affect someone in the moment. Yes. I agree. To like think about something. But like, it's not like you're being brainwashed that every time you go and you see a Coke next to a Pepsi, you're going to just automatically reach for the Coke because of all their, like, I think it just works in the moment. I'm kind of sold on that. I agree. I agree with you. I think, first of all, it's very fun to think about. It's very fascinating. Mm -hmm. Like you and I, I think are obsessed with human psychology. And so in a way that's very fun to think about, I never truly believed in subliminal messaging, but to your point in the moment, it, I think it is effective. And something I was just thinking about while you were talking was if you watch a kid's channel like Nickelodeon or uh, Disney Channel, the commercials that are shown to kids are drastically different than what they're shown to adults. And they're all, they're all centered around candy or, Mm -hmm. you know, toys, but candy, that that's really interesting. You're not going to market candy to adults and expect an adult to say, yeah, I want a Laffy Taffy right now. Yeah. Yeah. I still hear the Lucky Charms leprechaun every time I'm walking down the grocery store aisle and I see Lucky Charms. I still, they're magically delicious you know like that still rings in my head from a kid you know yeah you can't get that out of your head no so I think on a surface level that type and and whether they are trying to be sub whether they are you know in the marketing headquarters of Lucky Charm saying we're gonna only show this to kids it is a conscious decision to show candy to children because they know that adults aren't going to go out and buy candy. Yeah. The, the interesting thing that I thought with that too, I totally agree. Cause they're going to, I think kids have buying power in a family and yeah. brands are starting to recognize that. And I remember as I got a little bit older, like these Nickelodeon, like, you know, like 10, nine, 10, um, these Nickelodeon Disney channels started showing car commercials. And I remember seeing a lot of car commercials and it was like, oh, what, like, that? what is going on? But like, looking back, it's because parents will take their kids to a car lot and they'll be like, oh, I want that car. Look at that. That van has a TV in the back seat. We should get yeah. this van. We should get this van. Like yep. they know these kids have some buying power. Buying power. Yeah. That's really interesting. So um, where I think this gets even more fascinating is when people start panicking about this and in thinking outside of the marketing world and thinking in the government world. Uh, So So this is where there was real panic. Imagining that the government getting a hold of this and imagining a possible effect or imagining a world where everyone was subliminally 
manipulated <laughs> and subliminally oh controlled mm -hmm. um, to do what the government wanted them to do. So th that's where there was real panic. And I love this because when I was thinking about this, um, I thought about your story about uh the government controlling our conscious minds. Yes. Yes. Con what's that called? Uh, uh, Project Stargate. Yeah. Project they can move Stargate. Their, yeah. They can move their consciousness. They like studied this, but there's also a better one in this one called MK ultra where they um, gave a bunch of people without their knowledge, LSD in an attempt to control their mind, like as a mind control technique. Like they would give these guys LSD without them knowing and then they'd like start tripping and then they just tried to see if they could control their mind based on that state. Right. I love that. I knew I could count on you to make some sort of governmental reference. I was like, I'm not going to do research in this. Zach's got this. <laughs> uh, it's embarrassing wealth of government fuck ups in my brain, you know, like <laughs> Jesus. Um, so there's the government, uh, uh, the government side of things, but then there's also the academic side of things. And this is funny. Subliminal messaging may also enhance academic performance. In a 2007 study, researchers flashed students hidden words related or unrelated to intelligence. Um, so people saw talent or they saw grass. And those who saw the intelligent words performed better on a midterm one to four days later Whoa. than those who saw the word grass. Why I think this is funny is because back in my college days, I convinced myself that if I fell asleep listening to some sort of you know, like educational pod podcasts weren't a thing when I was in college. But if I were to fall asleep listening to like the dictionary, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would wake up with a whole new set of vocabulary. Yeah, that never happened. But I just found it fascinating because I convinced myself that that was actually like I could control my subconscious. Yeah, me too. Better set of vocabulary words. I tried to do it for uh, foreign languages in my back. I tried to do it for uh, like French. You would like listen to someone speaking French. There you and then go. you tried to wake up. You tried to like dream in French. And I can't even fucking yep. ask yep. where the bathroom is in French yep. today. So whatever. <laughs> no way. Like, it no work. way. It work. And today, like I fall asleep to podcasts about murders. So who <laughs> knows what that's doing to my subconscious. <laughs> It's your comfort. Yeah, just killing people. It is. Uh, it's my comfort. I will. Can I add something with the government stuff too? Because uh, not on the yes. test, but there was a famous uh, campaign ad that used subliminal messaging that George W. Bush ran against Al Gore in like 2001 or whenever that election was or 2004. Um, he was like talking about Medicare and then they flash the word. They're like, they're talking, the voiceovers like it's a bureaucratic mess, but they flash the rat in bureaucrat like right before it comes on the screen. So it's like rat. And then it goes to, and then it like goes to bureaucrat. And it was like a big deal. Like the Gore campaign was like, they're using subliminal messaging to make Al Gore. People think he's a rat and he's a, wow. Like, yeah. Crazy. Right. Yeah. When the government does get a hold of this type of stuff, it does bring it to a new level of like fear, Absolutely. like marketing. Fine. If you want to market me gin, because I think I'm going to get laid that night. <laughs> fine. I'm fine with that. But like, <laughs> 
the government just goes so just takes it to a whole new level yeah. of dark and you keep referencing gin i think we saw the same one the do you have we it? did yeah yes. that one where they made the ice cube spell out sex in the um yeah yes. very good very good <laughs> So a couple of examples of actual like logos doing this um, is, and and this is where it gets really cool. I think I think this idea of subliminal messaging in logos is creative as hell. Mm. Like you have to have an ultra creative mind to make a logo tell you to do something mm -hmm. or think about something. You're not sending a message. You're not flashing an image. You're not, you're actually working it into the design. So some examples of this are the Amazon logo. It has the arrow and it's a smiley face. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's an arrow too. I always just saw it as a smiley face. It's like technically an arrow too. I, I you know it's an you know it's an arrow. Well, I now look that, up Amazon. No, now that you say that, I see that it's an arrow. Like I have it in my no, head. No, you have to know it's it's an obvious arrow. The not obvious part is the smiley face. Oh, I always saw it as a smiley face. Am I fucked Are you serious? up? Yeah. Am I fucked up? I always. Can you pause and look at Amazon's yeah, logo I'm right now? Up right now. I always legitimately saw it as a smiley face. Am I, is my brain broken? Now you have me like worried. Yeah, cause I always saw it as like, I guess I saw it with like the Z, you know how the Z's got that little like, I saw that like that little like, um, what do you call it, arc to it? I guess I saw that as like the cheek, you know, like when you smile and your cheeks come up and I, I don't know. I never really yeah. saw the arrow. I thought it was like a, a smile wrinkle. I guess maybe I saw that cause I have big like, when I smile, my face gets very wrinkly. So like I yeah. just related to that. Like, I don't That's know. That's funny. I'm kind of blown away. You're like, is that an arrow? It's like so obviously an arrow. I mean, clearly now. Yeah, I feel like a fucking idiot. But yeah, I was legitimately <laughs> saw it as a, as a smiley face. It was a, oh my God, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> You just thought it was a wrinkle and it was a dimple. You thought That's it was a I dimple. Because I, I have dimples. I just thought it was like a oh, dimple. And then the, the Z's got the little hook. I thought that was like the cheek. I was it does. Like, okay. It does. Okay. Well, well done, Amazon. You completely fooled Zach. <laughs> completely. <He> didn't even... <laughs> um so some other examples are the fedex mm. do you know what's hidden in fedex uh that's the arrow too right they got like yes. the arrow in there yep yep yeah good one tostitos oh i'm looking up tostitos one don't don't tell me right just yet what is it what is it of so i can try to find it just look up the logo oh Oh my God, you're so right. Like now that I'm looking at the logo, it's like two people. Is it two people holding a chip over some yes. dip? Oh yes. shit. Oh, I know. I Isn't never that noticed that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh my God. Yep. Now you, this is why I give you logo design in the company. Well, just you're better at it. I don't give it to you. You are fucking way better because I don't pay attention to that shit, clearly. So those are some examples of logo design with a subliminal messaging kind of designed into the creative. Yeah. Um, and then some ads that I found were, yeah, a lot of them were just phallic. We're just, uh, <laughs> the, so the gin ad that Zach and I keep referencing uh, is, uh, it's a gin bottle and then a glass of gin with ice cubes and the ice is uh, supposedly it spells out sex do you think it's meant to spell out sex or are people uh wanting to believe it oh out sex? that's a great question 
I mean, okay, I'm on the fence, but I will admit the S in an ice cube is difficult for it to naturally happen. Like that shape, yeah. and that one's pretty clear. Like the S one is pretty clear. So like, I would think that there's an element that they did it on purpose. When I first saw the ad, I, I challenged myself to figure out what was the messaging in it and now that i know i can't unsee it (laughs) it's all i see it's all i'm drawn to yeah yeah um i initially thought like there's no way that this was meant but now that i can't unsee it i think that that it's very i think it was done purposely i think i think so too plus you've done product photo shoots like you are very good at them like you got to tell me as the expert, you fucking know every detail in that shot. Like that everything yeah, I, is crafted, right? Well, and yeah, and and to your point, the E in the ice cube, like shadows and light fall only one way. So you can't have this weird shadow coming in in the middle of the ice cube and then light coming in the middle of the ice cube. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Light does not work like that. It either all reflects one way and all shadows fall one way. You can't manipulate light like that. So mm-hmm. um, this was I think definitely done in post-production. That's what I was going to ask. Um, do you think they just crafted the ice cubes or do you think it was just t- retouching the ad in post-production? Post? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, the other one, uh, the phallic one is, did you see an ad Benson and Hedges? Uh, the cigarette one. Yeah. Their the cigarettes. Yes. yes. I did see that. So, one. I'm going to describe this ad. It's, uh, first of all, it's like from the seventies. It's a man and a woman. The woman is in a pink backless dress and they're kind of in an embrace and he has his hands on her lower back and then on her shoulder. And the phallic part is the shadows and the light cast a penis on her back and where his lower hand is, or I'm sorry, where his hand is on her lower back, it looks like he's grabbing it. Yes. And what did you think of the ad? Do you think that's a, uh, do you think it's a stretch? Do you think it was done on purpose? I do not think it's a stretch because do you have the ad in front of you? Read the tagline. Yep. Read the tagline. If you got crushed in the ditch. Ditch? Am I reading that right? Yeah, if you got crushed, crushed in the ditch or the ditch. The ditch? Dinch. D-I-N-C-H. I don't know what that means. If you got crushed in the dinch with your soft pack, try our hard pack. Yep. So I think <laughs> I think they You're are. You're like, my case is rested. Like, their, their tagline speaks to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, it, they're going after, they're obviously a play on penis jokes, talking about their hard card cigarette uh, pack. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's obviously a play. So yeah, I think they did that intentionally. Plus, don't you think when you're looking at it, the lighting on her back on that point looks a little brighter, like looks a little different, right? It looks a little bit different. You do have a point. I went into this conversation thinking it was a big stretch. <laughs> because again, I'm just like, why? Like, what about a man grabbing a penis makes me want to buy this hard pack of cigarettes. Yeah. See, I don't know if it was like intentional. I almost think it's like the Lion King where like 
how many graphic designers are just going to get like, just throw a penis in there and see if yeah. anybody yeah, notices. Yeah, yeah. It. it was probably some yeah. salty person at the ad agency. Yeah. They're like, I'm, I've been working on this ad forever. Like, I'm just going to throw a dick in it. And that happens to be the one that got chosen. From a photography standpoint, you can make this happen with lighting because her light, her back is lit up and uh, the sides of her bodies have some shadow. Mm -hmm. So that tells me that the light was casted from directly behind her. Mm -hmm. And so it's not totally outside of the realm of thinking that this did just accidentally happen with the lighting setup. But I mean... You, to your point, it does look a lot, a little bit brighter. So it does. It, and at the 70s, damn, I mean, Photoshop wasn't even invented. So. Well, then that's back to your point. Like how much post do they really do in the 70s too? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think we're convincing yeah. each other. We started out on other ends and now we're like convincing each other. Like I, now you have me like, maybe it was just a, I just think with the tagline, like it's hard to fucking argue that that something happened. Because they're talking about soft and hard. I think there's other elements of the ad that play into that hard pack and soft pack joke. Like the man's face is very like curious and he's like, oops, I think I did something. Like <laughs> maybe he got a hard on. <laughs> and that's kind of the message in his face. So outside of the penis shadow that's being erected on her back. Nice. It, it, the message, I thank you. The messaging of his face could get the message across is like. I agree. But that's the, what's the opposite of subliminal messaging? Cause that's kind of like in your face messaging. Like he's like, Ooh, look at, yeah. Ooh, like that's what you look at is the subliminal yeah. penis in the background. So I think that's all the ads I wanted to kind of discuss. We're kind of at time. So um, overall, Zach, what are your thoughts on subliminal messaging? Should we start practicing subliminal messaging <laughs> no. in our marketing campaign? Uh, I think, you know, I think at this point it's it's popular enough that you can do it satirically. But I, to your point, I really love it incorporated in logos. Like, you know, I think that's a fun thing to do. I think that's like a little Easter egg for people to like find and, you know, yep. sleuth out. Um, yep. So I do like it in that. And, you know, I'm calling that subliminal messaging for the sake of this podcast, but like in the design world, it's just known as something else. I don't mm. know what, like if there's a name attached to it, but it's just like being ultra creative. You're not really sending like some sort of message for the audience to go do something. You're actually just making a logo that has, you know, that you're playing, you're playing with shapes, you're playing yeah. with letters, you're playing with typography. And that, that's the creative aspect to it. Um, you're not telling anybody anything yeah i like that too because you try to like as a brand you try to you know your icon your iconography your your logo should try to elicit a feeling right like yes. and i think that's yes. a great way to do it like the amazon and the smile like they yes. want they're all about customer happiness right like they, that yeah. is and they literally incorporate it into their logo so something else i read about the amazon logo did you know the arrow starts at a and it ends at z because they cut, they sell everything from A to Z. Oh my gosh! Look at that. I know how much thought. I know how much. I mean, that's really well done. I can't. Hats off yep. to fucking Bezos. You know, you can yeah. design a logo, but you can't go to space, my dude. You know? <laughs> 
he didn't he's not an astronaut so um yeah i think that wraps up our subliminal messaging do you I have think any there's thoughts enough- yeah do you have any thoughts like after all your research what is your uh, what are your thoughts what are you what's your feeling my stance has not changed on subliminal messaging i think it's so fascinating i think it's really fun to think about especially when we start thinking about back masking <laughs> and finding hidden messages in uh songs or lyrics like i love I want people to keep being conspiracy theorists yeah. and, saying, and saying, this is what happens when you listen to Olivia Rodrigo's album backwards. I love that. I love that. I, I tried to put a modern twist on it. <laughs> well, um, the one that I thought of, um, Missy Elliott's Work It, you know, where she, what is it? Uh, put the thing down, flip it and reverse it. It's sure from Men for yet. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever that reverse, like she just flipped it. Right. And I, I have no idea what she says. I have no idea what she says. She says, oh my God, this was trending on TikTok for a second. She says, put your thing down, flip it and reverse it backwards. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm learning things so much today. I'll send you that TikTok. It like blew my mind. I think I posted it on every single channel that I had. Uh, I, I love that it. too. Okay. So, I think it's fascinating. I think it's so fun to think about. I love a good conspiracy theory. Um, and in terms of logo design, I think that's ultra creative. Um, but do I think that Queen put Just Do It into their uh Another one bites the mm. dust lyrics. No, mm. I don't. That's some like next level, like that, that's some next level artistry. If like, why? exactly. Again, I just go, I just, you just have to ask yourself why would, and I'm just using this as an example, but like, why would Judas Priest tell you to off yourself? What do they, what do they get out of it? And people would say, oh, they're Satanists. Just cause they have, I don't know. That's a cop out. But yeah, and I would think like putting myself in the artist's shoes, like you're so stressed out coming out with an album, like putting together an album. Are you really gonna fucking take? Like you have the label on you, you have fans waiting on you, you have so many people pushing for you to finish an album. Are you really gonna take the time and be like, oh, let's? How do we say this backwards? And how can we make that like into a lyric? Like, ah. and from an artist's perspective, like this whole project takes you know months and months and months, if not years and years and years. By the time you're at the finish line, you're like, I'm fucking over it. I never want to listen, see this, like read about it again. Like I'm so sick of my work. So this idea of them like going in and doing that next extra layer while they're at the finish line, it's like eh, not possible. Just not possible from an artist's perspective. So I feel like that there are so many good nuggets in here that we could take apart and even make more podcasts out of this. Like I'm so interested in learning more about satanic cults and how that took off. I'm so interested in kind of like the whys behind all of this. Um, I think we can go into backmasking even farther. So uh, I think, you know, we just breached the surface of subliminal messaging. More to come, ladies and gentlemen. If you're interested in discussing your own marketing tactics, be sure to reach out to us through our website, mcmillanphillips.com. That's M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S.com. Can't wait to hear from you.